Uh, good morning. It's good to be here with everybody. We're happy that you're with us. Uh, if you're new, just know the coffee isn't always this uh, legit. So just be prepared. Next week, we're back to Starbucks. So just like, uh, no, but thank you, Tony and Jeff, for being here and doing that for us. Um, so again, if you need a second drink on the way out, go ahead and grab that iced chai tea latte uh, if you need it. But we're so glad to host you and have you with us. Uh, my name is Wes. I'm the pastor here. We are talking about prayer today. We are not talking about shame. Woo! We're talking about prayer. Yes, God. Uh, let me tell you about why we're not getting into a prayer series, but we're going to talk about prayer today. And I'm going to have a shorter message to give us time to pray. The tenets of the church is built on it. We believe that everybody, wherever you are on your journey with God, is that you have inherent value. That we as a people, as believers, believe that every single person is made in God's image. Whether they acknowledge that or not, you do not suddenly become worthy of dignity and value once you agree with us. You always have that. It is your gift from God. And so we believe that about people. And we also want to not only believe that and champion that, but as a church, we want to give you guys practices to live out that vision and that mission. Ways that you can actually um, take tools that you learn at church and use those throughout the week. If you have friends, if you have people who don't go to church and they ask you about, well, why do you go or what do you do there? If we can't confidently say one of the things we always do is pray. Could you survive the interrogation of a child when it comes to your prayers? And I say child because they'll just ask you, well, why? Well, what do you do? Well, why do you do that? For what? Could you survive that if they were to ask you, so what is prayer? Why do you pray? Who do you pray to? For how long? What do you say? My hope is that we could be a church that could confidently say, we take time for prayer. One of the best things that a mentor of mine said to me really, really early on in ministry was, Wes, you have to remember that God will always be able to do more with 15 minutes of prayer than an hour of you preaching. You guys can say amen. That's okay. You guys are like, yes, <laughs> preach. But it's true. God can do more in your heart and in your life with a dedicated 10, 15 minutes of prayer than listening to the best, most elaborate sermon or TED talk on Jesus that you've ever heard. Now, I know that when we get into prayer, some of you guys already have voices in your head that are saying, well, I know that I should, or I could have, or I do, but I should more, or I should be better at it. Uh, another great piece of advice that we got in premarital was you never should on your spouse. Don't should on each other. And you have permission to tell them, hey, stop shitting on me. <laughs> because if should isn't going to help you pray today, then it's not useful for you and we don't need it. If it's not going to help you engage in your relationship with God today, then we just don't need it. It's like showing up to the beach and feeling bad about not being at the beach enough. It's like, well, you know, I really should be here more. And it's just sitting in the sand thinking about how much you don't take advantage of the beach. And I, I live here and we pay this ridiculous rent and it's right here and I really should go more. And so here I am in the sand and I should, but I don't. Man, and never getting into the water and just being at the beach. 
If you go to the gym, you shouldn't feel bad about not being at the gym. You're there. You did it, baby. Let's go. You are at church. So feeling bad about church stuff, you're already here. So the pastor has given you permission to not feel bad about what you should have or need to do more of or need to do better. Some of you guys don't feel like you've went to church unless you feel bad. There's something wrong with the church experience if you don't leave here feeling worse. <laughs> Can we, I'm just going to let that go because we are here. So let's be here and invite God to meet us. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm going to begin with a quick prayer. We'll get into some scripture, and I'm going to create some room for us to do that together. So let's pray. God, thank you for an opportunity to be together to worship. God's service is not starting here with me. It's already begun from us walking up and saying hello in the conversations over coffee with Tony and Jeff during our greeting time. Um, Even beforehand, our children's ministry being prepared. God, you've already begun your work. You care for each person here. Would you continue to do that as we invite you to meet us as we open up our hearts? Would you meet us, God? We know it's an invitation you're always going to say yes to, and so we're grateful. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. So we spent all summer talking about everything we're building. We're building it on Jesus. Every single one of the Gospels talks about what Jesus did with his life, the incredible things, the cross, his sacrifice, and... What's not left out, there are miracles, there's the disciples, there's healing, there's everything we sang about in worship, and there's Jesus praying. Luke 5, 16, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Mark 1, 35, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Matthew 14, 23, and after he had dismissed the crowds, He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When when evening came, he was there alone. Every single one of the gospel writers decided it was important and it couldn't be left out. Part of what Jesus' lifestyle was, was one that was marked by prayer. That a part of his schedule, while things were important, things were happening, there was always time to pray. Jesus prayed. The church prayed. In Acts chapter 2, it says it's about the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. As you read through Acts, the incredible things that happened are always bookended by prayer before they happen and prayer after they happened. The believers are constantly caught praying for one another. Peter is freed from prison in a miraculous way, and when Peter gets out, he comes and he finds his friends praying. Paul, who wrote two churches, who planted churches, was frequently commanding them to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Romans 12.12, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and be persistent in prayer. It's not hard to build a case for the need to pray at church, so I won't belabor that point. But if we know that we should and we ought to, why don't we? I can't answer that question for you, but I'll just answer it for me, and maybe there'll be some crossover there. Prayer can be mundane and slow-moving. Anyone like quick things that are productive and efficient? Anyone value 
efficiency. You enjoy waking up early, getting things done, making it happen, checking things off the list, early, fast, my people. So when we are faced with prayer, for me, it is slow, and it is not instant, and it is not moving at the speed that I would like it to move at. That's one of the reasons that prayer can be tough. Prayer can be tough because at the heart of prayer, it's an act of dependence. We got any independent people here? Mm. Prayer, to pray, is to acknowledge a need. And to acknowledge a need and communicate a need can be scary because that in and of itself is vulnerable. To say, I have a need, I need that met. I'm actually to a point where I don't have what I need on my own to meet it. Would you help me? Would you consider it an insult if someone called you needy? A little. If your spouse was like, you're, you're kind of needy. Would you be like, wow, I'm just, thank you for that. I appreciate you communicating that to me. Thank you. I'll write that down, cherish it in my heart. Probably not. Probably not going to. It's counterintuitive, and it can be a struggle because prayer is this um, act of dependence. And when I don't pray, me, I'm speaking personally for me, it is always my reminder that I don't actually believe that I need God for everything. I just need him for the really important things. I don't need God in the daily moment-to-moment. God, I just need you to be there and sort of swoop in and save me from the tough things, from the difficult things. And so when we talk about depending on God in prayer, it is constant. Because if we are not making this a practice regularly, then in the heat of the moment, we can't expect that the fruits of prayer will be there, which are patience, mercy, and kindness. Maybe you don't go to church, but you know this truth and this wisdom, that you can do the right thing and still get the wrong response. You can handle a situation the right way, and your boss or your manager or your coworker or friend or family member or spouse, I don't know, can still respond in a way that you perceive as wrong. We agree in that? I said the right thing. I asked the question the right way. I did my job. I handled my responsibility. I expected good for my good. I did something good, job well done. I expected a pat on the back, a raise, an attaboy. I expected good for the good that I did. And sometimes we do good and we get back wrong. Yes? Mm. How easy is it to do good, get wrong back, and do good again? Mm. I had one of those situations. I'm not going to give you names or details. But I lived through that this week, and luckily it happened in a text conversation. And so I had time, time to pray and think about how I wanted to respond. If we're not regularly inviting Jesus into the mundane, sort of boring moments, it's really hard to invite him into the chaotic moments. The idea that we're suddenly going to invite God into the most challenging corners of our lives when we aren't willing to invite him into the boring, into the simple, we're setting ourselves up for frustration. It's not that God won't be there. It's not that God won't show up in those challenging moments. But you are setting yourself up to be frustrated when it's difficult. And this is where 
I want to give you a tool or a practice of mine to sort of help you open up in prayer. Because sometimes when I sit down, I don't know what to do. I'm confused about how, how holy should my language be? Do I say the right words? How long does this need to be? Uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I mentioned that, that Taylor had asked me, she's like, hey, you know, the internet says that the baby can hear you talk to it now. So get to talking. <laughs> and I was like, she didn't say it that way, but that's how it felt to me. And it was my, our first child. I was like, I don't know what to say. Do I joke? That kind of diminishes the moment. What do I, what do I say? And so I didn't say anything. I just cried. <laughs> cried like three, the first three times I cried. And then finally I, I sort of whispered. And she's like, it can't hear you. Say it louder. I love you. I'm sorry. Prayer can be that. It really can. It can be that holy, sacred moment. Or it can be a simple conversation where you invite God and use simple language. New people are the best to pray with because they don't know how to end prayers. They don't know how to start prayers. It's just the best. I just talk to God. Praying with you church people is the worst. You like you start quoting God's word to God. He's like, God, you know that in your word you said, and it's like, Correct. He said it in his words, so thank you. I'm just saying what everybody wants to say, so don't look at me like you ain't thought this in your own mind. So it can be a holy moment, or it can just be a holy, plain, sort of a mundane moment. But three things, three ways that I've learned to sort of set up prayer for myself. First thing, three questions that I ask is, who is God, where am I, and what do I need? Who is God? We all have different ideas of who God is that are from our childhood, from the church we went to, from what we've heard about God through other people or pastors. One of the ways I love to ground myself and answer that question is in Scripture. Psalm 103. I'm going to read it. It's this beautiful description of the character of God. And it says this. Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord, may I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins, heals my diseases, he redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us. He will not remain angry forever. He doesn't punish us for all of our sins. He doesn't deal with us harshly as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens are above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only dust. There are different parts of that psalm that may resonate with you. And it's okay if every time you pray, I'm going to memorize one verse this year, this year and it's that 
I need to remember the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry. Because that's not what I'm used to. I'm used to an environment where people are quick to get angry. So I just need to remember that's who God is. But it anchors you for the rest of the prayer. I know who I'm talking to. I'm remembering who I'm in this conversation with. Who is God? We go from who to where. Where am I? Where am I is a little bit harder to track down. Who God is, concrete. We've got Jesus to look at. We've got scripture we can memorize and meditate on. But where am I? Self-awareness is underrated. Amen. You love self-aware people in your life, don't you? Uh Uh-huh. And we'll just say you love less people who aren't self-aware in your life. You still love them, but it can be a challenge. Self-awareness requires attention and intention to become and be self-aware because how we are feeling is constantly moving. You can be feeling good. You can be excited about church and where we are and the coffee, and you can be stressed about work tomorrow. You can be feeling different things at once. So one of the things I like to do is answer three questions. What am I mad about? What am I glad about? What am I sad about? You can be all three things at once. Yes, I'm one of those needy people that I was talking about earlier. I can be mad about something, glad about something, and sad about something. Many of you in this room are all three of those things. You just haven't slowed down enough to know that you are. And that's okay, because you have now. Again, we're not going to be at the beach being sad about being there. We're going to get in the water. You have an opportunity this morning to think through, what am I mad about? What am I sad about? What am I glad about? Where am I? Can I locate myself? I'm at church. We're talking about who God is. But God's concern is meeting you where you are. We always talk about church. Come as you are. God will meet you where you are. But can you answer the question, where am I? Are you prepared with an answer? If God's going to meet you where you are, can you say, here I am? God, I'm really, really happy about. God, I'm really, really frustrated with. I'm really frustrated with. I'm really sad about. We just read a beautiful psalm where the psalmist writes about who God is. And psalmists also aren't afraid to talk about where they are. Psalm 42, 9. Oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? My heart is so sad. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Psalm 38. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I'm bowed down and brought down very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with pain. There's no health in my body. I'm feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. My longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds. My strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. And some of you guys think that I just cut out the most emo part of that psalm, and I didn't. That's, the psalm ends in sadness, and it's over. And can I just say that's such a gift to you? Because some of you guys feel like you got to get to the end of your own prayers and have it wrapped up in a bow. But there are so many psalms that end up without resolution. 
and you're forcing yourself to work hard to have a happy resolution, and you don't need one. God's saying, no, just tell me where you are. I'll get you to the resolution. You don't got to get yourself there. You just tell me. Remember who I am. Tell me where you are, but you don't got to solve it. That's why you're here praying. Prayer is not your opportunity to solve it. That is not your responsibility. It's not your requirement. It's not your burden. So however we're feeling in prayer, we invite that. Who is God? Where am I? And what do I need? 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious about nothing, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The Lord's Prayer. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. We also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Some of you felt like a burden every time you asked for something growing up. And so it feels appropriate or more holy to not ask God for stuff. You love people by not being a burden to people. That's your love language, is you never let them carry you. Let me just say it's not a way to build a relationship with someone. Part of building a relationship with someone is trusting them to hold you at some point. Don't go throwing your weight onto strangers. <laughs> Don't you be out here like, hold me. But at some point, if you're building a relationship, that relationship will require you to allow them to hold you and care for you. And when Jesus' disciples asked him, how do we pray? What was included was them asking for what they needed. So as appropriate it is to say at the beginning, God, this is who you are. God, this is where I am. It is absolutely appropriate for you to say, God, this is what I need. This is the daily bread that I require. God, this is where I need you to sustain me and uphold me. Your burdens are not a burden to God. And I need to take it one step further because some of you guys don't just say that you have burdens, you believe you are burdens. And so maybe we'll talk about shame. You are not a burden. That is shame's voice, not God's voice. God will never say to you, man, you're really needy. Man, another burden, huh? Wow. And so we remember that as we pray. Last thing I'll say, and then we'll pray. I'm going to invite the band up because it's easier to pray with a little sound in the background. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity as we pray to take a moment, take the next minute, next two minutes to say, where am I? What am I mad about? What am I sad about? What am I glad about? What is it? Where are you? And then what do you need? And I'm going to ask you to do one more. It's probably the most important part. You've done the groundwork. You've said, here's where I am. Here's what I need. And then I'm going to ask you to put your money where your mouth is and be the church and let someone else pray for you. 
It can be the person that you came with. It can be your spouse, the friend you drove with, the person that you know. Or you can pray with another couple. But so much of our relationship with God is hurt when we make it an individual practice and not a communal practice. Yes, you should be able to say to your friends who have never been to church, yeah, I go to church, we talk about prayer, I pray, they teach us how to pray. You should also be able to say, and people there know me and have prayed for me. We came before God, we declared and honored, God, this is who you are. God, this is where we are. And then we were able together to say, this is what we need. And someone took my need, took my burden before God and helped me in that. So some of you guys are introverts and this is your worst nightmare. You're like, am I awake right now? Am I dreaming? Is this really happening? Oh, Lord, God, help me. You're praying more than you actually ever have right now. Like You're praying, how do I escape? Lord, rapture me now. Like You can pray with the person you came with. That's okay. But if you want to take a bold step and pray with someone who believes what you believe, then do it. I'm going to pray for us, and I'll give us time, and we'll close our, our morning in worship. God, thank you for the morning. We thank you that this is a space that we have for you. And God, I pray that you would silence every other voice that isn't a welcoming invitation to meet with you. God, we know that prayer is the bridge between heaven and earth. Every part of our lives becomes a place where your presence can meet us when we pray. And so God, would you help us to be bold, to be brave, to allow um, us to know each other just a little bit better today, to pray for one another, to go to you with our prayers. So we thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. So go ahead. We'll take the next three minutes to pray. Jeff will then lead us in worship and we'll close our morning.